It's time for another exciting episode of Dr. Will's Health Geek Podcast, where we bring you interviews from professionals and experts from all aspects of the health and wellness industry to arm you with the latest and greatest in the areas of fitness, nutrition, and movement. And now your host, his favorite subject in school was recess, Dr. Will. Hello and welcome to episode six of the Health Geek Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Will. This is a very special Health Geek podcast today, and it's on a subject that, in my opinion, gets highly overlooked and very underrated, and that's the feet. And I know it's just the feet, those two things that you stand on, and I know what you might be saying. Doc, they do nothing but display my shoes or hold on to my flip-flops. But hang with me, because at the end of this podcast, I believe you'll have a newfound appreciation for your feet and how important they are to your overall structure. So today, I get the privilege to geek out with one of the best when it comes to feet and extremities. My guest today is a 1996 summa cum laude graduate of Palmer College of Chiropractic West. He has been a chiropractic continuing education instructor and in private practice for almost 20 years. He has developed specialties in foot, ankle, and shoulders, and since 1994, he has been a core lecturer with Foot Levelers, which is the leading provider of individually designed custom functional orthotics. And in 2013, he was awarded Foot Levelers Teacher of the Year. This doc is a frequently requested speaker on the topic of extremity and spinal adjusting, and he's also an authority on foot biomechanics and orthotics. He travels and teaches internationally, bringing his passion and energy to his students worldwide. He currently practices in the East San Francisco Bay Area, where he lives with his wife and two children. Please welcome to the Health Geek Podcast, Dr. Kevin Wong. I am so thankful and excited for today's Health Geek Podcast. I've got Dr. Kevin Wong on the phone with me, and uh, how are you doing today, Doc? I'm doing awesome. Thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate the opportunity to, uh, to, to have a little banter. This is going to be fun. It's going to be a great time, but uh, thanks for joining me. You're out in uh, the West Coast. Where are you at? San Francisco Bay Area. You poor thing. Kind of in a town, <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, in, in a little town that's close to Berkeley, but it's not Berkeley, so I don't want anybody to get the wrong idea right. <laughs> as I start talking to you guys on the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, uh, but that sounds awesome, San Francisco Bay Area, and, and of mm-hmm. course, I'm over here in Charlotte. We're three hours ahead of you, uh, but good morning to you out there, yeah. So Thank you. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. Well, man... Uh, uh, again, thanks for joining me on here. And I always like to do this with the guests that come on, and that is give them an opportunity to just share a little bit of, of their story. Uh, of course, not everybody that comes on here uh, on the Health Geek podcast is is a chiropractor. Um, I don't go seeking out you know uh, all chiropractors or anything like that. But I do want to hear a little bit about uh, and tell listeners about your background, how you got started, um, and all that. Bring us up from A to B. When I was getting out of college, it's probably my, my, my junior year, I thought I was headed towards physical therapy, and it's, it, it is a great profession. It's just as I was doing my internships and getting ready to do, do some applications for school, uh, I, I actually fell asleep in an internship, and um, I just think I was just really bored at watching one of the therapists work with the patients. And it's not that they don't do great work, it's just that for me, I, I learned really early that perhaps this wasn't the path that I was supposed to be going down. And so I, I happened into chiropractic really by accident. And that was, um, I just was looking around for other types of healthcare 
professions, and I knew I didn't want to be an MD because I didn't want to deal with drugs and surgeries and things like that, but when I happened upon chiropractic, I went and I volunteered in someone's office, and then off to chiropractic school I went, and uh, really went into, into Palmer West in San Jose, California, not really having a calling, just following a path that had been put forth for me, and really as I started to move through school, by about third or fourth quarter, I started to really understand why I was there, and uh, you know, I like to tell people the story because I do do a lot of teaching, probably teach about 100 hours a year now, traveling our, our country internationally, just being able to teach about the feet and the shoulders, etc. But when I was in school, I was very, very focused on my grades and getting straight A's, which I did do. And that was all nice and good. But, you know, the focus really in, in graduate school of any kind should be on how you're going to feed and clothe yourself right. after you get out. And <laughs> I didn't focus so much on the adjusting and, and the knowledge as I, I probably could have, you know, in, in, in my defense, I was pretty young back then, but getting out of school, I wanted to make sure I didn't have the valedictory curse, which was 4.0 on your, on your grade point average, but can't adjust the thermostat, you know? Right, so exactly. I really wanted to make sure and that, that eating that humble pie, the first couple of years out and really learning your technique and, and stuff was, was really tough in the beginning because, uh, you know, it, it's, it, you think you should learn more in school. So, you know, but it, it really helped to, to make me very uh, passionate about what I'm doing now. And, and as you ask for my particular story, my story really gets interesting where I, I start to specialize. And I realize out there that as chiropractors and really for many professions, there are many, many people who have the shingle as chiropractor. And when people think of chiropractic, well, you probably remember that as most of us, chiropractors are pretty much pigeonholed out there in the general public as back and neck. That's what they think we do. Exactly. That's all they think we do. Right. And you and I have spent our practice time making sure people know that we are much more than that. In fact, we just happen to be people that can adjust the spine as well. So my, my tagline over the years has become, I'm a foot, ankle, shoulder specialist who happens to be a chiropractor. Because that is where my practice is now, is doing mostly extremity work because I realized some years ago that it's the extremities that will pull your spine out of alignment and actually create instability and the need for people to come back maybe more than they really should. We always want our patients to come back for, for maintenance, but you know, I've, I found that by attacking the feet and the arches and the shoulders really helps to stabilize the spine. So that's really where my journey has brought me now to almost, this is my 20th year of practice, and my practice is really built upon hitting those areas of the, of the body where a lot of chiropractors do not. And right. I know for your practice, you've found the same thing. Oh, that that's I absolutely found. true, is, is that mm -hmm. whenever we're going through and, and, and teaching people about the nervous system, about their structure and how structure equals function, you remember all that fun stuff, well, I'll often hear from them, Oh, I didn't know that you could help with that, or I didn't know that this could be helped uh, by, you know, adjusting, or, or by, that a chiropractor could do that. They all thought that we were just kind of neck back and, and mm -hmm. headaches, Doc. And uh, so it is. And yeah, you're absolutely right. You, you know, going back uh, nine years ago, whenever I first started being a chiropractor, I talked and spoke completely differently than the way, and, and even acted completely differently than the way that I do, you know, now in the office today. So it's, we're light years ahead. <laughs> it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. So how in the world did you get into uh, doing extremities? 
Well, I knew that I would be watching patients after my initial years of doing the, the spinal adjustments. I would, I, I would really be quite good at, at getting the, their spine to, to get supported. But when they walked out of there, they felt great. And then when they would come back for their follow-up, they wouldn't feel so good. Or they would be kind of back to where they were before. And, and after seeing patterns of this, after person after person, you start to wonder, what the heck is going on? And they always teach us in school, you know, maybe, maybe you missed something. Well, the x-rays weren't showing that there was anything terribly wrong. Even some of the MRIs were not even showing anything. So I'm like, okay, let's think of this biomechanically, the movement patterns. What's going on that's making you shake your adjustments out or wiggle them out of place? And then when you start looking around, and, and I got exposed to the feet for the first time, it was almost like a light bulb went on. And, you know, the, the, the funny thing is, and I know you see this because we've seen patients that have come to, from other chiropractors that you and I will troubleshoot, you know, and, and send them back. A lot of chiros don't understand that model of how the feet and arches can actually destabilize or put excess stress on the ankle, knee, hip, back, and they will pull the adjustments out of place because of the way the arches fall towards the floor. And once I figured out the pattern, and that's what I teach when I teach my seminars, is how to help chiropractors identify what's going on with the arches when they're falling, what does it do to each of the um, joints of the, of the body and the back, and what kind of common clinical uh, conditions that we see in the office, like the plantar fasciitis and the Achilles and the shin splints and all those things, how to make sense of all that. Because when you're just adjusting the spine, you can be really missing the whole picture. Yeah, and we spend our lives, uh, a lot of our lives, right? We, we spend a little bit of it laying down, uh, you know, recovering from the day, but, but most of our day is spent on our feet or on our butt, basically. We're sitting for yes. a long, right? Which causes, that's a whole other discussion, right? Um, but you're right, it all starts at our foundation uh, coming from, from the feet, which just, you know, transmits completely all the way to the head. Absolutely, all the way up to the head. And even though for headaches... It's not the first thing that you would think about. It is a thing that, that uh, patients are, are amazed at when they can see how their feet could be having a body-wide effect all the way up to their jaw and, 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 and potentially the headaches that they came in for. So, yeah, I feel you on that one. Right, absolutely. Um, so let's talk about maybe a, a possible case study that you have seen in the office uh, here recently, or that maybe even sticks out in your head. Uh, tell us about somebody that, you, that you've seen uh, here recently. In general, there are a lot of people that fall into really a basic category that will come in. When you think about it, eight to nine out of 10 people walking in our office actually have flattened arches to some degree. So when, the, when we can identify the person, we can almost totally figure out where their pain could be. So if somebody points to the inside of their knee or they point to their hip or they point to their back, it's really not a surprise. I think one of the, 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 the more fun things recently that I've had the experience of, of doing is, is taking a 90-year-old patient who had been in pain for most of her adult life, but as a mom and a grandmom, she just kind of ignored everything. She came from the era where you just kind of suck it up. It's never too late to help somebody with their feet. Uh, she did have some arthritis in her body, as you would expect a 90-year-old to have, but the chronic uh, knee and lower back pain that she'd been experiencing, sometimes up to a 6 out of a 10 pain scale, 
just with wearing orthotics for, for two weeks, the, the custom orthotics from Foot Levelers, her pain went all the way down to a two. And it's just, you know, that's, that's the one that's most recent. And if you don't mind, well, let me give you one more. And this was my, my youngest case ever of having to put a child in orthotics. Usually it's about age six to seven when the arches are fully formed, and that's when we really are, are paying attention to the kids. But I had a young little, a, a young little three-year-old who I was, both of his parents were already under care, but we monitored him and we, we noticed that he was really pronating at such an early age. Normally I just kind of let this go, but it was actually affecting his ability to run, walk, stand. And his parents were concerned. He was not really running as much because it, it was hurting his knees. So I, I used the sports tape, taped up his arches. I actually used rock tape to tape up his arches. And, and when I supported his arches, it simulated what the orthotic was going to do for him. So we were taping him for a period of two weeks, and his parents saw quite a drastic change in him. So he was the youngest person I've ever fitted for orthotics at age three. And we just keep monitoring him to make sure his feet can develop with a little less stress and a little bit more healthy. Yeah, and I, you know, the complete opposite end of this is I have somebody who is uh, 69, and, and I'm, you know, Gosh, I wish I tell her all the time. I wish I could have caught you when you were uh, at that young age, you know, and we could have made this change because, you know, 69 years uh, later, here we are with a, uh, a leg length, an, an anatomical bone length problem um, that could have been probably helped out and resolved um, years ago. And we might have been able to prevent her scoliosis, but because of that, uh, because of that issue and just, you know, continuing down, down through life and thousands and thousands of steps per day on a imbalanced frame or imbalanced, uh, leg, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the result was scoliosis for her. Uh, and if ah. Patty, if you're listening, I'm sorry, but I'm using you for an example, but, uh, you know, it's, it's a perfect example. And now we discovered this and now you're right. We've, we've got her in the, the uh, correct you know, heal and lift support cool. that's uh, cool. going to help Good. balance her out. And yeah, she's in, mm -hmm. she, you know, she's in a lot of pain, but now trying to make a change in somebody that is, that is 69 right. versus, you know, six years old, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a little bit slower and it's a little bit tougher. And you are very correct. When a patient has come into the office, I have another 75 year old patient now who's had a fusion of two levels of her neck and she's had a fusion of L4-5. I'm sorry, no fusion down there, but she has um, spondies at L4-5. Oh, man. And this is someone who's come in. We have her in her, her orthotics now, but I told her, you've got to be patient. You have had so many years for this to be dysfunctional. We will help you, but it's going to take some time to get used to these things because you haven't had arch support for a lot of your adult life. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so just be patient and we'll work through it. But I know that this is better than leaving you on the pathway that you were going because it's only going to get worse. Well, one, one thing I want you to do also is I've heard a couple of words here uh, and I try to not, I, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll help everybody out, but uh, a, a spondy, go ahead and tell everybody what Oh my God. Is. I'm so sorry. That's right. <laughs> we're, we're, we're just geeking out here. We're geeking you know, out. Next, That's we're right. Gonna, That's what after for. this, we'll talk about Star Wars. Now, um, <laughs> a spondylolisthesis and fancy chiro babble or, or medical talk is when one vertebrae or one spinal bone has slid in a forward position with, with respect to the one below it. So if you could imagine basically a stair-stepping effect of the spine, that's what happens when one of these vertebrae pokes forward. And in fact, sometimes people can have two of those. 
Yeah. Uh, if one of isn't bad enough, someone can actually have two. <laughs> right, right. So this poor woman, you know, she has to arc her back backwards in order to take some of the radiating pain away sometimes. That's how bad her spondylolisthesis is for her fourth and fifth lumbar vertebrae in her back. Mm-hmm. And you talked about this, uh, this child's feet. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, and mm-hmm. the feet are so, you know, mobile. Um, they're, well, do you consider it to be a stable joint or an unstable joint? What do you consider it? Well, that's a good question. I would say that sometimes when you and I see these people in the office, especially for the first time, when they have plantar fasciitis or an active kind of uh, case going on, those are unstable. But when someone doesn't truly have pain in their, their feet, but we're, they're showing signs of pain somewhere else, like their back or their knee, I'd say that's more of a stable, uh, stable thing going on in their feet. I think it varies depending on what the presentation is. Right. Um, what some people also say is they're afraid almost of putting some people uh, are afraid of getting orthotic support because they think their feet are going to get weaker when they, when they have those, those on there. But what they don't realize is the arches themselves are supported by the big ligament under our foot called the plantar fascia. Once that ligament stretches out, even though we have muscles there, they're secondary supporters. They're not primary supporters. So our feet can continue to get worse even if you try to do exercises on the feet, it, they're helpful. I can't stop the train that's barreling down the tracks. We have to have some support there to, to give the muscles some help. Right. And you're, you're mentioned uh, you, you teach for foot levelers. Just yes. tell everybody what foot levelers is. Now, there's lots of different uh, companies that are out there. But yes, there are. Yeah. There are many different um, companies that make the orthotics for people's shoes. Those are the things you may see hanging off the shelves. Like uh, there's a company called Superfeet or Dr. Scholl's or Spanko. They're all different companies. But this particular company was started by a chiropractor over 66 years ago when he saw that there was a need to have better types of support for all three of the arches than what was currently being made available. So this company has been around for a very long time, providing flexible three arch, really comfortable support for, for the feet. And the reason I teach for them is because my message is congruent with theirs. Um, they didn't seek me out and say, we want to turn you into a foot leveler's lap dog and make you teach out all the stuff that we want you to. Now, this is what I was doing in practice for about nine or ten years before they picked me up as a national speaker for them and so i go around the, the country teaching doctors about uh how to how to adjust the feet the knees the hips the shoulders and then we also work in how to use the orthotics as a way of stabilizing the body so that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell of what i do for them yeah we're going to talk about what are some of the conditions uh that we see uh, in the office, you and I every single day, like uh, you know, like knee pain and SI joint pain, right. low back pain, that type of stuff, that can be caused from the feet, and we'll go over each one of those. And plantar fasciitis, of course, that's going to be you know one of the primary ones. But you know, you just mentioned something right then um, that people might not be aware of, and that there are three arches in the feet, not just uh, the one that everybody's familiar with, right? I've I have had the pleasure of asking every single podiatric patient that's ever come to me over almost the 20 years I've been practicing, and I've asked them all the question of how many arches do you think we have in the foot? And what do you think we, they say? We have one. They say one. And you, may, you listening may or may not know that there are, in, tra- in fact, three functional arches under our foot, and let me just at least point them out to you because you're probably wondering. One of them is the big instep that you know that we have on the inside of your foot there. 
But there's another one that runs on the very outer edge of your foot, on the bottom of your foot over there. You can run it from the heel all the way to your, to your fifth toe or your pinky toe. There's an arch out there. And then probably one of the most important ones that gets really overlooked and, and really gets no love, especially from uh, other types of foot doctors, are, is the one that's called the transverse arch or the metatarsal arch that's underneath the ball of your foot. So if you take your fingers and you feel underneath the ball of your feet, some of you even can feel a callus that's developed over the years from there because your arch has collapsed or fallen so much. Now your metatarsal bones of your toes are rubbing on the bottom of your shoe and it creates excess pressure, which creates the callus formation over time. So it's a very common thing we find in people. And people are honestly very dumbfounded when they find out we have three arches. Some people get upset because they've been going to see a foot doctor for years. They, maybe they've had a pair of orthotics that wasn't very comfortable for them. They're asking me, why wasn't I taught this? I'm really upset about this. There's no reason to get upset. I mean, at least you're finding out about it now. Right. And we can do something about it before it's too late. Absolutely. Knowledge mm-hmm. is power, right? Knowledge is power. Right. And, and, and we, are, we right. are learning as we're continuing to go on. I mean, I'm learning new stuff every single day. So that... Uh, that changes what I do in my own personal life. Uh, I mean, I didn't even know that there were different types of fat. <laughs> so, oh, yeah. Huh. That's Good right. point. That's right. That's right. Uh, not just one kind of fat. Um, so anyway, so tell us how can, how can feet start leading to, you know, which we see a ton of uh, tight hamstrings. Everybody seems to have tight hamstrings these days because mm-hmm. we, we sit on our, on our gluteus maximus all day long working at the computer, and we end up uh, short-circuiting it, right? So... Talk to us yeah. through some tight hamstrings and what people might be able to do to eliminate it. All right, all right. Here, here's some idea. First, let's get perspective. If you will stand up for a second in the audience, you'll stand up right now. And it's really, it's really great if you're barefoot, but even if you have your shoes on, what I want you to do is to just basically roll your feet inwards towards the floor. So that means take that big arch that's on the inside of your foot and kind of collapse it, force it to collapse towards the floor. When you do this, you're actually displaying something that we call pronation, or in this case, it's, it's too much pronation. It's where your arches are basically falling and they're collapsing towards the floor. And as they do this, your foot turns inwards. What happens is you have to think of this thing as it affects the entire body. Don't just think that it's only affecting the feet. That's the problem that some of the foot doctors have is they only confine their their analysis to just what's going on with the feet they have no they're not thinking about how it affects the rest of the body the body is a symphony and the feet are the conductors of that symphony as your feet roll all the way in too much and now puts too much stress on that ankle bone you can probably feel it as you're rolling in all right and you can kind of roll in and out just so you don't keep yourself in that really stressful position but you'll feel that inner ankle bone start to 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 get stressed out now You may not know it, and you may not even be able to put it into words, but you can feel your tibia, which is your lower leg bone. That bone is rotating inwards because it's trying to compensate for your um, foot falling to the floor too much. And as that tibia bone rolls in or, 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 or twists inwards, it takes the big leg bone or the femur and does the same thing. Both of those bones are moving too much or twisting too much internally, and with that, it starts to, to put stress on the leg and the thigh muscles. In the front, you've got your tibialis anterior where you get shin splints. In the back, you've got some of your, uh, of your calf muscles where you can get Achilles problems. And in the back of your leg, there's your hamstrings. 
Those are also getting pulled and they're forcing them to contract to try to compensate or provide some secondary support for the stress that's now been introduced to the system. Now, even in the front of your legs, you've got your quadriceps or your quad muscles. Those can also be overly tight and create problems with your kneecap. So we're kind of seeing a story develop of what, what we look for in the office when someone comes in and they're complaining of knee or hamstring or hip or calf pain. We can look downwards because I will tell you, Will and I will tell you, pain lies. And it's our job to look outside of the pain to find out where the source of it is coming from. And that's why I've learned over the years and seen it so many times that, that the feet can be this source. So with your hamstrings, that being the example that we've set forth here, being, being a tight, we can not only introduce some taping like I d- described to you about on the three-year-old boy that we saw, taping that will help to support the arches and, um, and, and, and essentially be like a temporary orthotic for the person so they can see how it changes their stress when they're standing and walking. Or we can just go out outright and introduce an orthotic to their foot that's going to support all three of the arches. And we can also introduce some stretches and um, adjustments to the ankle, knee, and the hip, and the back to make sure everything is aligned well. So it's kind of a package deal there. Once you find out what's going on, make sure that you take care of all those areas. I have found that when we don't take care of the feet, the, uh, the calf pain and the, um, the hamstring pain and tightness can and will come back. Yes. It's a matter of when. You know, this is absolutely perfect, and I understand it now when I didn't understand it years ago. I was training for a marathon. I'm going to turn this, what you just spoke about, into uh, my own personal story. Yeah, great. Uh, I was training for the uh, Chicago Marathon, uh, awesome marathon, right? About 45,000 runners. Uh, that's, yes. the only, that's the only marathon I've ever done. It was just a bucket list item, um, and it was on my birthday, of all things. But anyway... Training up to that, I started to develop some very nasty knee pain. What I thought was knee pain, um, it was coming on the side of the knee, but what it ended up being, um, ended up being was IT band syndrome. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when it, you know, when it got, when it crossed past the knee, it was just rubbing on the, on the, uh, just on the knee there and it was creating some inflammation and some very, and it would just lock up on me. Well, guess how I solved this? And it wasn't me that solved it. It, it was my chiropractor who actually ended up, uh, said you were in the wrong type of shoe for one thing, and you need an orthotic. We adjusted the pelvis. I learned how to foam roll at that time. I didn't know what foam rolling was. And it literally only took me about two weeks of wearing the correct orthotic and the correct shoe and retraining on that that I eliminated it, eliminated it completely. Perfect. Yeah. Wow. Now, that's a good story. Yeah, and then I was able to run. So I was yep. able to, because I, at that point, I couldn't, I couldn't get very far. I could only do, you know, two or three miles at that time, and my knee would just completely lock up. And I was like, how in the world am I ever going to complete, you know, 26.2 when I can only do about three and be in just killer, killer knee pain? But, uh, yeah, that's my story on that. Great. That's good a good stuff. story. Yeah, perfect, <laughs> perfect stuff. So tell me a little bit, because we see this a ton, is mm-hmm. let's talk about... Uh, the plantar surface and plantar fasciitis. Okay. This is a really a, a topic right here. It, it, it's a nasty thing, the, the plantar fasciitis, because usually when you and I will see this patient, we're not the first person that, that they've come to. They've, they've often gone to the podiatrist. They've often gone to the MD. Some of these people have had cortisone shots. 
a plethora of them have worn orthotics that were born off the shelf and they don't understand the three arch concept. So once we explain this to them, they pretty much understand. Uh, you know, the, the thing about plantar fasciitis is it's definitely an arch issue. There's no doubt because a plantar fascia, for those of you in the audience who are kind of wondering, oh, you know, I've heard this. I've heard it pronounced many different ways. It's really, it is plantar fasciitis is really the way that it's said. Now, if you can sit down for a second and, and cross one leg over, you can put your finger on your heel, all right? And you follow your heel all the way as it comes to the bottom of your foot. And you see as the heel kind of contours downwards, there's this big kind of thick connective tissue that attaches onto that heel as you're moving down across it on the bottom of your foot. That's where your plantar fascia starts. And for many of you, it's going to be sore, even if you don't have plantar fasciitis, because every time you stand up, every time you walk, you are stressing that ligament out underneath your foot. And if you are walking around there without any arch support, which probably some of you are, are not, um, <clears throat> you'll be surprised at how, how tender this thing is. So the plantar fascia starts there at your heel, and it moves all the way across the bottom of that foot. And then it attaches onto those little metatarsals that I talked to you about before when I told you that there was an arch underneath the ball of your foot. So you can really follow this connective tissue ligament all the way out there and feel on the individual toes there. Um, I'm sorry, not the toes, but, but, but the bones leading up to the toes, those little portions around the ball of your foot. You can feel that, that, uh, where the plantar fascia inserts in there. All right? One other place it inserts is on the very instep of your foot. Go to that inner arch and palpate that or, or touch that. Yikes. I can feel mine right now even though I have really great orthotics in all my shoes, okay? Now, that plantar fascia, once that thing gets activated and starts making, uh, creating pain for you, it's a heck of a thing to get rid of it. Um, even with the orthotics, it takes a little bit of time because your foot is now in a reactive or a defensive state. It's been assaulted every time you stand up. These are usually people that have been engaged in some kind of sporting activity. It doesn't have to be specific. It just has to be weight-bearing. It could be tennis. It could be running. It could be football. It could be anything like that. But the, the, the common thread usually is someone who's been uh, doing it for, for a while or they're increasing their activity level and they're taking it up a notch. You can get people who are training for the breast cancer walk or someone for a marathon or someone who is playing, you know, uh, keeps playing a high level of tennis. It, it doesn't matter. I think what, what I want you to understand is it's the arches. It's a dead ringer for the arches. And in fact, most likely, almost always, they're not having all three of them supported. So they're wearing, even if they wear an orthotic from somewhere else, if you look at it, it doesn't have all three of the arches supported. So that's really where the key of the treatment begins, is by supporting the arches and then using... Um, I don't know how you are in your practice. I'm assuming that, that, that you're, you're starting to use more laser in your office, as I have over the years. I do not use laser. I don't have a laser. But you use ultrasound. Office. You use ultrasound? Yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, I see. That, that works. Now, I think what would be fun for you, because you're so into this stuff, is, is one of these days I could see you getting your hands on a laser and start playing with it. I do want I think <laughs> I think you're going to love it, man. You know, it was but, a toss-up between that and the uh, decompression table, so I had to go with the decompression yeah, sure. table. <laughs> sure, sure. No, no, that, that's cool. And you know what? 
our toys. The good thing about our toys is eventually when we do get them, they're, they're, they're tax deductible. Oh yeah. That's right. <laughs> but anyway, going back to what I said, did I develop that, that concept enough? Did you want me to keep going on that a little bit more? What else did you want to know about that Actually, from my perspective? One of the things that I uh, have discovered, of course, um, I tell people whenever they have plantar fasciitis, we've got to work on the calf. We've got to work on the hamstring. Mm-hmm. Um, we've mm-hmm. got to, we've got to start linking this, uh, of course, adjusting the foot, but you've got to start doing some exercises. And can you talk about uh, the small foot exercises or even other exercises sure, sure. That, that you know? Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the point you bring up is extremely valid. In fact, the exercises are pretty important, and we just have to convey them on the patient to make sure that they actually do them. That's the real key here. So here's some of the, the simple exercises. Number one, taking a uh, water bottle that is filled halfway with water, you chuck it in the freezer, it becomes a nice little ice ice roll uh, ice thing for them to roll their foot over um, uh, when they're at home, usually two to three times a day. I also have them roll their foot over a ball. I start out with the tennis ball first, and then we can progress eventually to a golf ball. With the tennis ball and the golf ball do, or, or the foot roller, or whatever kind of foot roller you could get your hands on, it actually helps to um, massage the tissues underneath the foot so it helps to relax them, all right? So now from an active perspective with exercise, I use exercise tubing because the tubing is simple for the patient to use. It's portable, it's cheap, and they don't have to join a gym and give you the excuse that they didn't go to the gym today. Mm-hmm. And there's only four exercises for the foot that will help the foot and ankle because of the limited range of motion of the foot. And basically, you've got your pointing your toes, You've got uh, pointing your toes forward, pointing your toes back. Those are two directions there. And then turning your foot in and turning your foot out. And, and we do this with the elastic tubing, providing resistance. So it helps you to build up those little muscles of the foot that we need to help give support. So that's yeah. what I do. That's excellent. And there's, uh, I'm just going to add one other on there. Yeah, and, and that is mm-hmm. when, when you're sitting in a chair, uh, put like a, a washcloth or a, a tablecloth down on the floor um, and just start scrunching it up with your toes and try to yep. try to approximate, you know, bring together the front of your foot towards your heel and just and just start wrinkling that that tablecloth underneath or the you know the little short cloth underneath your your feet. And then while you're just sitting around watching television or something like that at night. Yep. Yep. And then when you're talking specifically about the calf and the hamstring, what I also do is I, I encourage people to, to use the muscle stick. You know, oh, it's, yeah. that's that plastic. Yeah, so now either that or, or, or a foam roller, something like that. They can just roll out those areas, and that, that kind of dovetails with what you were talking about, about how important it is to work the calf in, in, in those areas. Yeah, I see. I don't know about you. I see a ton of uh, CrossFitters in my office. I'm a CrossFitter, so I see a ton of CrossFitters. Oh, cool! Right on. Okay. And uh, I have really learned how to uh, mobilize my own body and uh, and to be mobile uh, and to work that. But I also see a lot of uh, like patellofemoral tracking problems. Yes. Um, with knee and and ankle issues as well with them. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want to touch on mm-hmm. that a little bit? Yes. If you'll recall when we were discussing before, I was, ha- I was having all of you stand up and roll your feet in. Again, your body is your cheat sheet. There's no memoriz- memorizing anything here. It's understanding because when we understand, we remember and we don't forget things. As your foot was standing there and you were standing up on your feet and you rolled your feet in, because of the way that the anatomy has to work and the body has to compensate, 
as your ankle and, and foot were dropping down towards the floor, you, you're, that, that uh, lower leg bone called the tibia is rotating or twisting inwards. That then makes the, the femur or the upper leg bone also rotate inwards and twist inwards. And because of this twisting, the inner part of the knee jams up it comes together and actually can wear the cartilage on the inside of that knee with, with prolonged and chronic foot and arch collapse. As that does this, as the, 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 uh, the uh, tibia and femur bones go uh, twist internally or, 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 or immediately, the patella or the kneecap is drawn inwards as well. It almost seems like someone can look knock-kneed when you look at them. Mm-hmm. And you can always, and you can usually tell one side that's pronating, or, or or the arches are collapsing worse on one side than the other, because that kneecap looks like it's pushed in in more than the other side. Right. So that is what creates the potential for for patellofemoral tracking disorders, in you know iliotibial band syndrome, things like that too, can can be a, con- a contributing factor to that, and. Um, it's very, very common for us to see x-rays in people of middle to older age that have the inner knee all worn out. In fact, that's one of the common reasons why people need knee replacements. But remember, in our medical society, they're so concerned about where to put the blame or at that particular time, what to do about it at that particular time, they kind of forget how it all came to be. That's why the feet have a long story. Have a long, um, relationship to play in this story and and i want to make sure people know that about themselves so they don't just go oh this knee replacement came out of the blue no it didn't this started years ago you just didn't know any better but now we want to help you from having to get your other knee done by supporting your feet and your the rest of your body with chiropractic and making sure that we can help you stave off that other knee replacement that's great that's perfect uh, you mentioned actually. I'm, I'm just going to kind of sure. touch on this. You mentioned this this whole chain of events that happens all the way up the entire spine, and uh, which is part of Thomas Meyer, uh, his work. Yes, the anatomy did, trains, the right? Anatomy trains, and of course he identified all these different all these different trains and chains, and that's how we move. And, and you got to get this, and you've already identified it several times where we're not just part and parcel. We are we're the sum of all of our parts, and we move in a pattern. Uh, and we move in chains. Um, so one thing affects the next thing, which affects the next thing. And you just think of us as a, you know, like a cascading waterfall. And so talk about the posterior chain and how somebody could have something going on in their feet that could literally cause them shoulder issues or shoulder pain. Okay. Okay. Let's trace this back again. So, so you're standing up again and you're rolling your feet in. Now the, the people that come in our office, they may not have their feet this bad, but there's going to be a range of mild, moderate to severe pronation when they walk in. So let's just take somebody who's, who's even a mild pronator, like myself, all right? I'm mild. My wife is severe. My, my two kids, unfortunately, are actually moderate because it's, they're the sum of both of us. But as your feet are rolling in and your tibia or your leg bone is rolling in as well and, and your femur bone is doing the same, it actually comes up towards your hips now and your pelvis, and it can throw your pelvis into being unlevel. And, and, and it can actually create some rotation around the pelvis area. We all remember, we've heard our, our terms, the sacroiliac joint and the actual pubic bones or joints in the front. Well, this, this rotational pattern coming from your legs can throw your, your pelvis off in such a way where it can actually create a little bit of 
of a compensation scoliosis in your lumbar spine. And as we move up to the thoracic, there'll be a little mild scoliosis to compensate in the other direction. It throws your shoulder level off to where one shoulder is going to be lower, one's going to be higher. And you couple that with the person who, as a human being in modern society, we spend a lot of our time in a forward weight-bearing position, hunched over a desk or driving or doing something where our arms are in front of us. You have that coupled with the stuff going on with your feet. It can really create some stress in those shoulders. And in fact, as you were saying, when people come in with shoulder issues, I always want to make sure I take a quick glance at their feet so that I'm not missing anything down there. And really, when I get them on that, on that digital scanner, that digital foot scanner that Foot Levelers has, it helps me to catch a lot of this, All right? Yep, so, absolutely. So, so, so is that, was that similar to what you find in your office? Oh, how, how oh it, yeah. How is it any different? <laughs> no, that's absolutely. Uh, I, I agree with you completely. There wasn't anything that I needed to add. That was perfect. Yeah, so awesome. going forward, what what about uh, people? What can they do when they're looking for shoes? Uh, you know, this was this was a problem that I ran into. Let's take back that, that example when I gave you of me okay. running the yeah. marathon. I was in the wrong type of shoe. I was in actually a Nike shoe that was not uh, helping me whatsoever. And I'm I'm a moderate pronator whenever I run as well. Uh-huh. Um, okay. So I actually had to start looking for the correct type of shoe to right. keep, keep me from over-pronating. Good. See now, okay. So now you're now you're starting to use some of those terms of of, of intelligence and education. As the <laughs> audience, you do not have any knowledge of these shoes for the most part. You get marketing. You get you know Steph Curry in his in his 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 uh, Under Armour. You get you know other athletes in their Nikes. So you know you're going to go after the brand that you're thinking. Okay, well I've seen people running these. You know, just do it. I, I can I can just do that. I can buy these. My suggestion is. Every area of our country has some type of a shoe store that have people that work in it that actually know what they're doing. This is usually like a professional, like a running store or some type of a shoe store where you know the people have been trained to watch you walk and even do a light jog so that they will then have done the measurements on that metal Brannock device to get your correct shoe size. They will have also... um, taking a look at the shoes that you currently wear. They'll take a look at your feet real quick. They don't know a lot about the feet, but they know enough. Then they'll bring out five or six pairs of shoes, and they will actually fit you in all those pairs of shoes to see which one is the perfect shoe for you. That is really where I tell people to do now, okay? Yeah. You, you and your chiropractor at least had the knowledge for you to go find this, and you found someone who could help you. But, God, some of these people that work in these shoe stores, they are scary folks. You know, they don't know anything. What you described is exactly the process that happened to me. I threw the other shoes away and I went to a running store that watched me actually run down the sidewalk outside. And then mm-hmm. they brought me in and you're exactly right. I mean, they brought in a couple shoes cool. and found the right one. And yeah, it was, it was awesome, fantastic. Awesome. And you felt a and, lot better. And in, our, in our country too, sometimes, you know, life is expensive. And when you see the sales on shoes... It's easy to jump at those, but really making sure it's okay to buy shoes on sale. In fact, I, I want you to buy shoes on sale, but make sure they're ones that are, are correct for you. You know, if you're actually a supinator or somebody who actually rolls out on their feet, there are not a ton of people that, that do that, but you shouldn't be buying a pronation control shoe for a supinator. 
you know so you know go somewhere to where you can at least ask questions and then that way you, you get a proper fit of whatever brand of shoe they may suggest it could be Asics, New Balance, Nike, whatever, but at least you'll know it's it's for you. Yeah. Um, well, right now, what we're seeing a lot of are minimalist-type shoes. Uh, I almost see them everywhere with everybody that comes okay. in. Yeah. Um, I, I can say that for, for us over here in my, in my neck of the woods, I saw the minimalist shoes a lot more about two, three years ago. It hasn't been as popular over here anymore because I will tell you, at least from my perspective, of, of being – very fascinated with the minimalist movement, okay? Being a foot guy, very, like you, very fascinated. But, but I knew early on that we'd be robbing Peter to pay Paul, okay? You can't take away the heel strike and put everything on the mid-strike of the foot. Where, in essence, for those of you who, who have kind of followed this, um, just casually, minimalist shoes are made so that they take away your, your, your um, desire to land on your heel when you're running, okay? And you land more on the mid part of your foot. So what they're saying is we're going to reduce the, sh- the shock on your heel and reduce the shock wave that goes in your body. And then with, the, with the less shock hitting, hitting the heel but going on your midfoot where it can be absorbed, that's more the way your body was supposed to, 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 to run. In those days when we, when we all lived in, 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 um, without shoes, Nobody wore shoes. This is how we used to run. We used to strike on the midfoot, okay? But in modern society, we have concrete everywhere. We don't really have a surface where you can run that's very soft anymore unless you go to the beach or you go to a track and not every really most places don't have access to a softer track, all right? So right. when you're running and you have those shoes on and you have the midfoot strike, you're now exchanging the heel strike problems like, let's just call it plantar fasciitis at the calcaneus, Achilles tendonitis over there, um, and, and those types of things. Now we're, we're getting more metatarsalgia. We're getting more problems with, uh, more, with neuromas. We're getting more issues with collapsing transverse arches. So now you're getting a lot more bunions and corns and calluses and things. So that's just what I'm finding. And I don't know what, if, if that is very congruent with you, what you've seen in your practice. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the heel wearers, right? We, we get a lot of the women yeah. with, right? that uh, wear the high heels to work or whatever. And, and uh, we see a lot of ankle, knee, and hip problems because of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, man, this has been an awesome conversation. Uh, I know that, you know, it's, it may not be, it is to us because we get a chance to come on and, and geek out as a couple of docs, to, you know, and talk with this stuff. But to others, it may not be the most glamorous subject out there. We're not doing, you know, buys and tries here in the gym. This is, we're talking about some foundational critical stuff uh, that, is, that is worthwhile to uh, have discussion on. What are some things that people can do uh, at home now? What should they take away from this and, and how can we help them? I think what, what would be the, 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 my greatest hope for you um, in the audience is to, to, to really understand that, you know, the, the reason why I have gone into this as a specialty is because so many people have issues out there in the general public. And so many other doctors aren't doing a great job at analyzing this area. It's not very glamorous, just, just like we talked about. But guess what? It's probably the most important part of your body that you're not looking at. And it's often, you know, these silent things that will create problems for us later. When you look down at your feet and you've got bunions and corns, that's not because grandma had them too. That's not the reason. There's something going on for you. Everyone's foot tells a story. Are you looking? 
are you listening? It's really up to you to take that first step and look at your own feet. And then what you can do is ask us if we can help you find somebody in your area that will help you. It could be the very guy that you're talking to right now who's, who is the one who's responsible for this wonderful podcast. Talk with him, all right, because he's going to know more than the average person in your area about this stuff. So talk to us about this, but, you know, if you don't – take responsibility for your own health in today's healthcare, you get steamrolled by managed care. So I want to see you go on the offensive and not play passive on this because you're the only one and you're, you're, you're the one who's got to look out for yourself. That's right. You so are, at home, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, sorry, go ahead. Go no, ahead. I was just going to say you are responsible for your own health. Absolutely. Go yes. Ahead. Yes. Okay. And then, so, so one more thing is, and that is what you were saying about what people can do really for themselves at home. Besides looking at your own feed and just kind of asking yourself the questions of, hmm, am I really getting enough help here? Are all, my, all three of my arches being supported? You know, there are things that you can do in the meantime. We had discussed before about rolling your feet over the ball, doing some massage for your, for your uh, muscles uh, uh, in your feet and the soft tissues in your feet, trying to at least get as good a shoes as you can right now until you figure out how you're going to do this whole orthotic thing, okay? And please, don't tell yourself, well, you know, these ones are cheaper, uh, I think I'll just, just get the, uh, you know, Wong has a point, but, you know, these are cheaper. Remember, you get what you pay for. My uh, final parting advice is whatever you're going to get for your shoe, please make it three-arch, custom, and make it flexible so that it's comfortable for you to wear. Uh, fantastic. Perfect. Well, Doc, I appreciate awesome. you coming on here and taking the time out of yeah. your day to, uh, to geek out with me and, and have some fun. And uh, what a great discussion. Thank you so much. Well, I'm hoping that anybody who listens to you in the, nearby you will, will actually call you up and, and talk to you about this stuff because I think that would be great. Well, yeah, that would be fantastic too. That's not what I do this for, to tell you the truth. Um, mm -hmm, it, mm -hmm. it, it's just to get information out there so some people can get you know, better educated because you're right. They're, they're swamped with so many things that, that uh, just may not be very helpful, may not even be true. So yeah. uh, I, I try to bring some truth to the table. Um, cool. and and right on. That, that's, yeah. that's awesome. This was a lot of fun. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, where can they find out some information about you? Where can they find, uh, you know, where are you going to be teaching at next? My, my next spot that I'm teaching at is going to be in Portland next weekend. Not this weekend coming up, but the 21st, 22nd of May. I'm, I'm in Portland. Awesome. What are you going to be talking about? Uh, it'll be 12 hours going from, from the feet all the way up to the TMJ. Aren't people glad that we aren't talking for 12 hours about feet to TMJ? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's kind of funny. It, would, it is interesting. But, I would burn up yeah. all the memory on my Mac right now. <laughs> <laughs> but again, uh, we'll end just closing. Thanks very much for coming on and, uh, and doing this. Had a lot of fun. Yes, my pleasure. That wraps it up for this episode. But why stop here? Head on over to the online home of Dr. Will at thrivefamilychiro.com where you can learn more about being a true health geek. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Dr. Will's Health Geek Podcast.